Hey guys, this is Yael. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. Welcome to another mini-sode. I want to give you a boost of inspiration, of confidence, of trust, of momentum. I want to be with you multiple times a week. So here we go. I hope you enjoy this mini-sode. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. Newsletter that I wanted to go back and talk about this idea of abundance and more specifically requesting abundance, praying for abundance, because it is important that we work on this. Uh, I'll tell you kind of what prompted me to focus on this and to give you an explanation or an interpretation on the golden table leg story, which I will tell you about soon. But it's because I've received the question numerous times and iterations of the same question. And the question is, when we ask for financial abundance, doesn't it affect our next world experience, right? That meaning like, are we borrowing from the reward? And are we going against the notion of don't borrow from the reward, meaning perhaps wanting materiality, uh, physical blessings, money, abundance is going to take away merits um, or take away from the spiritual reward in the world to come. And the, you know, I've gotten this, like I said, numerous times um, and several iterations of basically the same idea. But one person mentioned the story of Rabbi Hanina Bendosa, who received a golden table leg um, and he threw it back in, at heaven. And, you know, I thought about this story and I'll share it with you right now and I'll explain to you why this story is not really an answer. It's not a justification for rejecting abundance, uh, for rejecting wealth. But before I tell you the story of Rabbi Hanina and the golden table leg, I have to explain to you who Rabbi Hanina was, Rabbi Hanina Bendosa, right? We have to kind of give context here and what, what the Talmud says about him, about this sage, about this incredible personality. Rabbi Harina Mendoza was one of the sages of the Mishnah. Um, so we're talking the first century before the common era. We're talking before the, the Talmud. He was an incredible tzaddik and a righteous individual. And there were many, many, many miracles attributed to him. He was also known to live in dire poverty um, but one really important thing that the Talmud says about Rabbi Hanina is that every single day, a heavenly voice proclaims the entire world is sustained for the sake of my son, Hanina Bendoza. Yet for Hanina, a measure of carob fruit is enough from one Friday to the next. So we have to like, understand this. It's going to, it's going to play a big part in, into what I want. I'm going to, I'm going to share with you today. The whole entire world is sustained through his marriage, through his righteousness. And yes, he was very poor. And yes, only a bit of carob fruit was sufficient to sustain him for a week. So we're not talking about a normal individual, right? We're not talking about a normal person, not anybody like us <laughs> or anybody we know, right? The Talmud also talks about the fact that he was so poor, and even though his wife 
was known to, you know, go along with this. And, and she was a very righteous woman as well. One day she actually broke down and she said to him crying. And again, you can look this up and maybe I'll put some sources in the comments after I finish here, but you, she broke down crying and she says, how long are we going to have to suffer like this? And so Rabbi Hanina Mendoza said, well, what should we do? And she said, pray to Hashem, pray to God that he should give you some of your reward in the world to come. So it's a pretty bold thing to say. So Rabbi Hanina prayed. And what happened next is kind of wild. Hand like apparition, like this is my hand, right? A hand like apparition, like stretched down from heaven and gave him a golden table leg, one leg of a golden table right? And the night that this happened, Rabbi Hanina had a dream. Again, this is all in the Talmud, in which he saw righteous people in the world to come eating at three-legged gold tables. So there were righteous individuals who got to eat at a three-legged table. Well, you know, we know tables stand on four legs, so hold on on that one, right? But here's the thing. Rabbi Hanina and his wife in this dream were eating at a gold table with just two legs. So righteous individuals were eating at tables with three legs. Rabbi Hanina and his wife are eating with table and on a table, sitting on a table with only two legs. So he wakes up and he asked his wife, will you be okay with the fact that all other righteous individuals will be sitting at tables with three legs while we sit at a broken table, a table missing one of its legs. Now, notice, of course, like I said, we're talking about three legs, which is not uh, what we experience in our world. That would be that would be a very unusual table. We have to understand what this means also. Okay, we have to understand the symbolisms of the legs. And all of this is going to tie together, your, I'm, I'm, I promise you, okay? These three legs, what do they represent? They represent the three things upon which the world stands on. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with this, this idea, right? The three pillars on, upon which the world stands on are Torah, our prayer, and acts of loving kindness, right? Chesed. So Torah, Tefillah, and Gemilut Chasadim. So when Rabbi Hanina presented it like this to his wife, his wife agreed that, that this you know, the golden table leg being here in this world, receiving it and not having the leg in the world to come. And that was not what was needed or what they should hold on to. And she immediately asked him to pray that the golden, ta- that the golden leg be taken from him, that it would go back. And so it was. So it was. Again, we're not talking about a regular individual. The hand appeared again and took the golden table leg back. And that's the story. So this story, as I said, has very often been mentioned as a justification for why we should perhaps not be asking for abundance, lest we take from our reward in the next, in the next world, right? It seems like that's the lesson we're to take here, right? If we ask for it, then Rabbi Hanina was shown in the dream that he didn't have the leg, right? He didn't have it in the world to come. There was like, um, it was uh, uh, to his detriment. So we've heard this many, many times and, and, and we interpret it as there being a risk in taking the wealth, right? Because it automatically might mean that we will be deducted 
deducted merits in the next world and the world to come, like we see in this trade-off of, that Rabbi Hanina saw in his dream. And I always thought to myself, well, there has to be more to this story. And I don't really think this is the, the, the lesson or that it's a justification for us not to beseech God for abundance. And, and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll even tell you a conversation I had yesterday with Rabbi Simon Jacobson, and even something that he, his brother shared with my husband recently that, that will help us again. It, it's a certain outlook. Okay. So I'm thinking this, this is not, this doesn't sit well with me. Like there's something here that's missing. And only recently by divine providence, um, somebody had just asked me about this specific story in the Talmud and I was scratching my head like, no. And I opened a book, um, on the life of Reb Arya Levine, the tzaddik of Jerusalem. And suddenly I found a brilliant, beautiful explanation, which I think deserves sharing. And that's why we're here today. Right? So as I told you before, we have a tradition from our sages that the three table legs in this story are the three pillars, the three pillars upon the, which, upon which the world stands, the Torah, prayer, and acts of kindness. So Rabbi Arya Levine says, listen, the leg that Rabbi Hanina Bendosa found himself missing in his dream was that of chesed, of acts of loving kindness. Everyone else had all three legs, but he was missing that one, the chesed leg, because now it had been given to him in this world. It had been sent by that hand, that hand threw the leg at him, brought the leg down. It was put into the material realm, so to speak. Now, Rabbi asks the question. He says, well, suppose that Hanina had kept the leg and it would have made him rich, right? We're talking about a, a piece of gold. What would he have done with this money? Again, we're talking about Rabbi Hanina Bendosa. What was he going to do? Go on vacations, buy himself a yacht. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying, but like, what was he really going to do with that money other than feed his family? And what else? He was going to also give it generously to the poor. Very much so, right? I mean, that's pretty obvious. So how could his heavenly account become defective in the area of chesed? He would have done chesed with that money with that golden table leg. So what is the real deduction here? What's going on here? And moreover, asks Reb Arya Levine, he says, in the life that he was currently living, Rabbi Hanina, without the golden leg, without any money, even if he wanted to distribute money to charity, he absolutely couldn't since he was so desperately poor. So you could ask again the question, why, why was he to be reckoned as defective in the quality of chesed, of loving kindness, if he just didn't have from where to give in the first place? And again, why would he be defective if he retained the golden leg, which would then allow him to finally give? Because we're talking about an individual who had, had he had the, had he had the, the ability to give, he would give. And so then Rabbi Arya Levine says something brilliant. He says, think about the amount of chesed that Rabbi Hanina Bendosa would have done. He could have done if he became wealthy on account of this golden table leg, right? Think about the amount of charity he could have and he would, would have done with this money. What? He would have sustained 100 families, maybe 500 families, a tremendous amount, probably a lot of people he could have supported, Right. But nevertheless, says Rabbi Arya, it's a limited amount. Whatever he did, 
he would only be able to help a limited number of people. But remember, we're talking about Rabbi Hanina Mendoza, of whom the Talmud says, again, what do we say? What does it say? It says, the entire world is sustained for the sake of my son, Hanina. He has the ability to sustain the entire world. And he had been doing that up till now. And now when he's holding the golden leg, which is an object of gold, an object whose worth could be appraised and, and, and ascertained, right? The ability to sustain the world becomes limited and finite. It becomes defined by the amount of money that he had. When he was impoverished, however, the effects of loving kindness bestowed on the world through his great virtue was unlimited. It was boundless, right? It was completely boundless. That's why the Talmud states specifically, the entire world is sustained for the sake of my son, Hanina. All of it. Everyone finds their sustenance through his merit, through his piety. It's unlimited. That's what sustains all of it. Once he became potentially rich, however, he was no longer the same Hanina Bendosa in a sense. He was simply a wealthy man, a very righteous wealthy man, but a wealthy man nonetheless. So now, yes, he would have had a great amount of money. And yes, now he would have busied himself with giving huge amounts of charity, no doubt. Nevertheless, it's to a limited extent, since he had only a finite amount of money. So the entire world would no longer be sustained by his virtue. So he prayed that to heaven to take back the golden leg. So what's the bottom line? What are we seeing here? This is what Rabbi Arya is trying to teach us. That my friend, <laughs> until you and I are on the level of Rabbi Hanina Bendosa, until we're on a level where our merits can sustain the entire world. And here's the newsflash. It's not going to happen, right? We're not going to become righteous individuals on that level. We're not born Sadiqim. These are very special souls that come down in the world, right? The most we could ever become is maybe a Benoni. And that, that already is a very high level. And maybe it's perhaps a topic for another, another show. But the point is that until we are Rabbi Hanina Mendoza, we are to take the wealth and do what we're supposed to do with it down here below. We're not supposed to send it back. We're not supposed to reject it. We're not supposed to shun it. Only Rabbi Hanina Mendoza, who has the ability to sustain the entire world, sends the table leg back, which in this case would limit him. That's why he has to send it back. It would preclude his ability to sustain the world. But in our case, in our case, given that we are not of that caliber. The money, the wealth is not a limitation. It's not a limitation to our service, but it's a tool. It actually is a tool to advance that service. It's a, it's a tool to actually sustain our corner of the world. That's how we get to sustain our corner of the world. And we should gracefully embrace it as such. As such. So that's the story. And I will actually add something that I've said to you guys many times um, in the group, on the show, <laughs> wherever, everywhere, right? That we're not here to accumulate brownie points for our next world experience, right? We're here to make a dwelling place for God, a home, a home for God. It's, it's a very nice side benefit 
the brownie points. I mean, but that's not the focus. That's not the focus of our service. That's not the focus of why we're here. We're here to serve God, not ourselves. You know, we're not here to serve ourselves, our egos by accumulating brownie points, by building our, our uh, next world, right? Like Rabbi Shays Taub told me on the podcast, I think it's episode I want to say 207, something around that time, um, around that. But he said, you know, that's only maybe a drop less crass than accumulating materiality, right? For the sake of materiality, right? Because in other words, it's just as me-centered, right? As aspiring stuff and money and materiality for materiality's sake, right? So we have to understand it's a, it's a shift in outlook. We are here to be emissaries of God Almighty. And what does he need? What does he want from me? That's the perspective. Oh, he desires a home. Great. Now, how do I use every inner and outer resource that he gives me to access to, to actually achieve that which he so desires, right? Like I said many times, Moshiach happens here. It doesn't happen in the next world. It happens through our food, through our business, through our work, through our relationships, through our money, right? God wants us to have all of those physical resources so that we can do what is really a physical job in the sense that it happens only here through materiality. So the question really is, Am I really, am I ready to be his emissary and take on the mission of using all of the material resources to make a dwelling place for God at Dirabetachtonim? Or will I stay so me focused, right? That I fear that any relationship with materiality will compromise my service and my reward. See, it's all about me, right? It's just a matter of perspective. Am I God-centered or am I me-centered, right? Can I really withstand the challenge of revealed and abundant good by staying solely focused on the mission? And I'm pretty confident that we can do it. And as I said before, on a, on a previous podcast interview, my husband, this podcast was out, I think, already two weeks ago. You can go check it out on the Gate of Trust podcast um, that, by the way, I highly recommend if you haven't tuned in. But my husband interviewed Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson and... Um, he asked him, he asked him about this so-called, you know, trade-off, quote-unquote trade-off, and that many people assume exists, where if you ask for one blessing, then, you know, another blessing might be discounted from you. And so people, you know, people say, like I said, people say, well, perhaps it's wiser just to ask for spiritual things, or perhaps, you know, for more lofty things, lest, lest our requests for material blessings could compromise could take away from the other blessings, right? So we asked him this and Rabbi Y.Y. Jacob says this, no, no, no. Like that's not how it works. In fact, he said, look, look at the way we pray. Look at the structure of prayer. You can see it so clearly that that's not how it works because if there was one ideal thing that we were to ask for, if there was like this hierarchy, right? That we were only to request for that because everything else is deficient then the Amida prayer would have just asking for that one thing. But we see that that's not the case. We Jews stand in prayer every single day and we request, we ask of God Almighty for material sustenance and from health and, and, and for all of it, right? So he says it's very clear that Judaism does not believe that God can only give you one thing and that therefore blessings will be at the expense of the other. We believe in his ability to give you all the blessings and our ability and our obligation to request all of it. In fact, yesterday, just yesterday, before I announced um, that I was going to be talking about this topic, 
I was sitting down with Rabbi Simon Jacobson, his, his Rabbi Waiwai's older brother, and we were having a conversation about this. And I asked him a similar question. And he said, listen, the same thing. He said, look at prayer, right? <laughs> we don't limit. We, in the highest form of prayer, and then that we, not, we don't limit. He said, again, if, if there was a hierarchy of what was best to ask, it would be there, but there is none. And moreover, he said something really, really interesting. He said, we are not supposed to be making calculations. Because I said, what about these stories, right? He says, no, 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 that's not for us. We're not supposed to make calculations for God. That is not our job. We don't limit God and we don't try to calculate how he distributes his blessings. We're supposed to ask and to ask for everything in abundance because he is capable of giving you everything and everything at the same time, by the way, he said. He, he said, the nachas, the wealth, the health, you can have all of it. You, and you have to trust that God can give you all of it. He says, now, Rabbi Hanina Bendosa, the Balshentov. yeah, there were very special individuals who could see what was exactly perhaps destined for a person, but we, no, no, no. He said, we don't do that. That's not our role. Our role is not to send any blessing back or to shun away any blessing. Our job is to request it because we, and really only we, no one else can do it. The angels can't do it. The souls in Shemayim in heaven can no longer do it. They had their time. Only we down here can change our corner of the world through the physical blessings that we draw down from heaven. So my friend, I tell you, ask, ask and ask some more. Hey, ladies, I hope you enjoyed this mini-sode. Please leave a review on iTunes. I hope this was uplifting, inspiring, refreshing, and that you have an amazing day.